Welcome to A Drink with a Friend. I'm Seth Haynes. And I'm Tish Oxenreiter. Tish, mm-hmm. what, what are you drinking? I'm drinking a fake vodka tonic. And I say fake because it's not really tonic. It's sparkling water out of a can. <laughs> I thought you were <laughs> going to say fake because it's not really vodka. I don't know. It's real vodka. <laughs> it's cheap vodka. But it's um, – this is my – so I was hoping for a gin and tonic because I prefer gin, but we didn't have any. So I was like, hey, all right, whatever. Better than a rum and tonic, which we also had, and that's it. Ooh. So Ooh. Um, all it is is sparkling water, and it's the flavor we had, which is passion fruit. And I huh. squeezed lime in it. And so it's my late afternoon. I cleaned the kitchen from top to bottom, like as in dusted shelves, moved things around. So this is my like, okay, I'm going to sit for an hour and (laughs) chat and have a drink and then get back to it. So that's what I'm drinking. How about you? That's fun. Is it? Well, first of all, is it tasty? Is that tasty? That feels like that would be interesting. It sounds gross. It sounds like like college student cocktail. A little bit. A little bit. Yeah. It's nothing fancy. I would not spend more than $4 on this, $3 at a bar, (laughs) but it works for me. It, you know, I don't know. I'm easy. I'm easy if I'm not going to spend any money on it and I'm just at home. I barely drink at home. Like this is not a thing I normally do, but I, I just am today. So yeah, it's fine. Okay. Well, fine is better than not fine. That's right. All right. What are you drinking? I am, uh, I'll give you one guess and we'll see if you can, can guess it. <laughs> um, okay. It's either sweet tea or Arnold Palmer. No, it's not. That's sweet what I tea. Get. It's not a sweet tea or all Arnold Palmer. Um, it is tea from mm-hmm. Chick-fil-A. And for those of you who, uh, <laughs> don't know why Tish was laughing is because she can actually see what I'm drinking. Right. And I, and I showed her the cup and yeah. that hints her guesses. No, I, you know, I don't, um, I'm to the point now where I, I don't really like sugar in my drinks. Mm-hmm. No. It does, it does something to me. It like makes my whole face turn inside itself. <laughs> yeah. Um, and I had a, uh, for whatever reason at Easter, um, I had to use a Coke for, uh, something and I can't even remember what it was, but there was a half Coke left. So I started to drink that half Coke and I was like, nope, no, thank you. Yeah. I think lint ruined my taste buds. <laughs> yeah, I'm not a big sugar drink fan at all. I only get sweet tea because I don't know Arkansas. Um, I'm not a sweet tea fan either. But yeah. um, that makes sense for you, actually. I don't know yeah. why I thought sweet tea, first of all. No, but, I mean, you might as well. I mean, take a shot. It's what they're known for. Yeah, it is what they're known for. Well, I mean, other than chicken, right? Yeah, and waffle fries and uh, all yeah, of it. Yeah, that's probably true. <sighs> okay. So, Tish, I'm interested in the topic that you raised for today, mostly because um, I'm terrible at what you're talking about. (laughs) Secondly, because I have serious questions about the practice as a general rule based upon some videos I've watched and some comments that some friends have made. And third... It's an it's it's an intriguing idea that I doubt uh, can be actually implemented. So, mm-hmm. with those caveats, with everyone's <laughs> interesting in, interest now peaked, tell me what are we talking about today? Well, um, you beat me to my first question for you, so I'm glad you just told me all that stuff because I was going to ask you what comes to mind when you hear the phrase zero waste. That's a great question. And I think what I um, p- picture 
in my imagination, come with me into my imagination. <laughs> I picture a mid fifties, sandy blonde haired woman with a lot of pigtails or ponytails um, in a sort of hippie-ish dress uh, making her home in the forest in a log cabin and <laughs> um, generating no trash because everything kind of comes off the land. Um, and at the end of every evening when she has a true zero waste day, she goes out and does, um, you know, whatever yoga move you do as the sun <laughs> goes down. That's what I think of when I think of zero waste. Right. Right. Yeah. The, the epitome of hippie lifestyle, I think. Um, for me, it's either that or the 23 year old guy who prides himself and talks about on YouTube owning three t-shirts and sleeps on a mattress on the floor and mm -hmm. brags about how much trash he has in a year. Yeah. Um, the, those... the minimal, the minimalist bro. Yes. Yes. Which there is no shortage of on the internet. And and what's funny to me is that, th so this Lent, my fast was from shopping, mm. um, other than the essentials. So, you know, we yep. bought groceries and toilet paper sure. and that's, and that was it. And I, it was a weird thing that I heard God say, because in my mind, I, I'm not a shopper. In fact, I hate going to stores. I hate spending needless money. I'm a natural saver. So I thought it was really strange, but I think the reason this Lent, this fast was good for me, this Lent was because, um, Something about the pandemic and being home just made me a little quicker with the buy now button. Um, and I think I'm not alone. I've heard that from a lot of people. And it, I won't, I didn't buy needless clutter, really and truly. I bought what we needed. I was just quick to buy things. I didn't yeah. stop to think, do we really need this? Is there something we can do without instead? Can I make do with, you know, all the things that I, typically would pause and ask. It was just sort of like, you know what? We're in a pandemic. Easy button here. And a year in, you know, Lent 2021, it was like, all right, I need to temper this uh, knee-jerk reaction a little bit. So for the 46 days of Lent in um, this year, I just didn't buy anything. And mm. it was really, really fascinating. And I found myself, you know, just quickly um, noticing how often I would I was quick to buy stuff before. I just wasn't aware of it. So um, it was a great practice for me. And post Lent, I, you know, of course, had a few things dog-eared in my mind of what I was going to buy. And I did, but um, definitely much more slower and methodical. I mean, I had, what, six weeks, a month to think yeah. about some of these purchases. So I actually yeah. wanted them. But all this to say, um, part of my Lenten practice was also to do a little learning. Um, I kind of like to pair whatever it is I fast with some kind of adding of thing in my life. And so I added just some deep dives. I'm, you know, my, my five wing is heavy. And so I like to nerd out and research and research. And, and that's what I did a lot of um, when I wasn't writing my book, I researched yeah. zero waste and I just want to learn more. And you're not wrong when it comes to the stereotypes that are out there, you know? And, and I think the common trait of the two types that we just stereotyped a few minutes ago is no kids. Yeah. They are not people who have a lot of people that they live with and a lot of um, needs to meet and papers that come home from school and all the stuff. So it's it, it, it's a tall order to ask an average ordinary mom or dad or heck, even probably just someone who goes off to work at a regular job to to not produce any trash. Yeah. So it was never my intention to like think this is my noble quest now. 
Um, even though, you know, and God love them, there are people out there who really and truly do pride themselves on producing a quart sized jar of trash per year. Yeah. And that's, yep. that's their thing. Yep. Um, that was not of an interest to mine, but here's, here's what I found really interesting. Um, you know that I, um, ended my long running website at the end of 2020. This was a, a hobby turned job of mine that I started back when we lived overseas in Turkey and I had it running for 12 years and I loved it for most of that time. And it started off being about living simply and this idea of um, just living well off the land that you've been given. Yeah. And what I found was that I sort of burned out on the topic because honestly, the the environment, no irony there, of the topic out on the internet. There's mm. there it's a very judgy <laughs> genre of um, I don't know, YouTube channels and podcasts and blogs and and people on on social media. And I just was tired of it. I, you know, I would post something and people would question why I chose to travel or why there was a plastic bag in the background of my photos. And it was just like, okay, this is not, <laughs> this is not reality. This is not sustainable. So I say all this to say that, I mean, I just can't figure out the irony that now that I no longer do that for a job, my interest has peaked again. Huh. It's like, because my livelihood doesn't depend on how green I look on the internet or something. I actually care again. And I don't know, I can psychologize that all day, but it is what it is. It's it's just a renewed interest of mine. And I've been thinking about what it looks like as um, not so much. I mean, I don't want to get into the practicals here. We can a little bit, but more like the why than the how, I guess, like why those of us who are followers of Christ, why this should matter. Yeah. Um, I don't know about you, but in my Christian subculture growing up, this was not a thing. In fact, it was almost like a pendulum swing the other way. Like, correct. The world's going to yes. burn. So why do yeah, you care? Sure. Yeah. Yeah. Just produce yeah. more plastic. It'll just burn up too. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I heard a lot like from the pulpit, the only things that will live are the word of God and the souls of men. Like I heard that a lot. <laughs> and so there was this idea of like, who cares about the trees and the rivers and the pollution? Yeah, which is kind of bonkers uh, mm -hmm. if you stop and think about it. And 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 really the truth is like we're the first, I mean, really, I guess, post-industrial revolution, but we're the first, you know, subset of humans, uh, you know, post-invention of plastic who are able to pollute to the levels we're able uh, to pollute. You know, it's I, I don't know that 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 people in the Renaissance or Dark Ages were any more virtuous than we were. Um, they just have the ability to pollute the ways we pollute. And, and so, yeah, I think it's just a natural course that we would eventually make some sort of theological excuse for the ability to pollute the ways we do. And that's how I grew up too. I mean, it was literally the word's gonna, world's going to burn. Why should you care? Or Jesus is coming back. He'll come back before the oil runs out. You know, just all this craziness um, that made like really zero sense. But anyway, it was kind of crammed down your throat. Have you read uh, Pope Francis's encyclical Laudato Si? I have read um, 
the high points and I've got it on my shelf and I've, I had been saving it post Lent or post book submission. So I've got the hardcover or the hard copy. How about you? Have you read it? Yes, I have. We actually studied it in a group. It was amazing. Um, It's a, an encyclical on care for our common home. And it really just approaches this from like actually um, caring for your neighbor, like caring Mm -hmm. for the world. Isn't just caring for God's creation. It is that, but it's also ultimately caring for your neighbor because what we, you know, realize and experience and know from uh, pollution is that pollution seems to, to, you know, aggregate for lack of a better term um, in places where there's more poverty. I mean, we, we Mm -hmm. just push the problem down and down and down. Um, And so not only are we raping and pillaging the earth, um, but also a lot of that waste that is then generated is pushed down onto those with less privilege, those who can't fight against it. Um, and you know, you've been a traveler, you've seen that, right? You go to a a more, uh, you know, a a place that is a little bit more on the downside of advantage. And what do you find? Mm -hmm. Yeah, no. Um, and this is probably where some of us who, who with good intentions, look into things like zero waste or, or doing a little bit better with our stewardship. And you just start feeling a bit hopeless because when you look at the, um, the process of something from, I mean, way more than farm to table. If you look at something from factory to trash can, um, it is, it feels nearly impossible because of how many people are involved and how our consumption really does affect those in um, poverty that don't have the options that we have. And so you just start feeling a bit like, well, gosh, what can you do? Um, Did you ever watch The Good Place, that comedy that came out most of it we never finished it and i don't know why other than we just got sort of sidetracked or derailed and never went back to it well it's fantastic um you know you don't watch it for the theology so you watch it for the comedy um (laughs) so nobody think you know i'm endorsing anything about like what it has to say about you know how life really works but um there was a lot of great philosophical insight in it and there there was this one part when um I I don't remember the details other than um you know they had this this number system for whether you make it into heaven or not you know and if you hit a certain amount of number um then you get to go in and if you don't you're not allowed and they found that it was like it had been 500 years or something since somebody had actually been admitted yeah. to heaven right yeah. and and they looked into like well what's the difference between this guy who brought flowers for his grandmother and this guy in the 1500s who brought flowers for his grandmother. And what they found was, you know, the, the, all the way down to the ethical practices of how those flowers came to be. Mm-hmm. And so you're basically, in, you know, complicit in some sort of system you never meant to be complicit in um, just simply by buying flowers at the grocery store or something. Yeah. And that's yeah. how it feels. I think in our modern era, like, gosh, we're damned if we do damned if we don't, what, how is this even feasible? And you're right. Zero waste is actually not possible um, in our world. So it's a bit of a misnomer. Yeah. And that's one of the questions that I had for you is when we talk about zero waste. So I, and I'll tease this out a little bit more in the, what are we watching, listening to or reading bit Mm -hmm. at the end, but in looking at a little bit of the, the zero waste stuff, um, you know, part of zero waste is in, includes like, well, if I recycle this can or if I recycle this plastic bottle, then that is not waste, right? Mm-hmm. I didn't throw it away. I didn't go into landfill, therefore not waste. But, but there are also a lot of reports that are saying like, we're not actually recycling 
our cans and our plastic bottles nearly like we say we are. Um, in fact, in some situations, we're selling those to other countries and allowing them to do whatever they want to do with them. And um, yep. and then you think about the fact that even if you know you're selling it to a foreign country that's recycling it, you're still loading it up on a container and you're shipping it across the sea. It's using fossil fuels. And so it seems to me that even like recycling a can is not truly zero waste. So what do people have to say for that? What do you have to say for that, Tish Oxenrider? <laughs> yeah, no, it's 100% true. I, I think the statistic I heard is that roughly 9% of our recycling is actually recycled or the plastic that we throw in the recycling bin. So, yeah. you know, most of us have recycling bins that we take out to the curb a couple times a month. And we you know, most of it, most communities are single stream. So that means, I mean, it used to not be. So some places might still be multi-stream, but most of us now just throw everything in one bin and we leave it up to the recycling company to separate glass, cardboard, plastic, all that stuff. Well, we act, you know, and most of us know there are numbers on the plastic, one through seven, and they all mean different things. Who the heck knows what they mean, you know, Um, unless you look it up, which I have as a little tab on my phone, but that it's a pain, you know, to look it up. Um, And here's the thing, even if you do find out what the different plastics mean, each community has a different, you know, decision for plastic number four versus plastic number six. And so it's, it's very hard to know for your specific um, waste management company, what they will do with that. And then you're right. Most of our recycling, weirdly enough, goes to China and it makes no sense. But we have somehow figured out, we crunch the numbers, it all comes down to money, um, that it's cheaper for us to use a bunch of petroleum to ship it over to China, where they have, you know, in the past few years passed a law that will only allow a certain number of um, recycling to even uh, pass their system. I, it's something like 05 percent of our recycling actually passes their test of cleanliness. So a lot of us just toss out peanut butter jars without like spraying them out, you know? Mm -hmm. Um, But they won't. And what'll happen is they, they bundle recycling in almost like hay bales. Mm. And if there's just anything in there that's dirty, they won't take the entire bale. And so that's why 0.5% of our recycling actually goes through their process, which means they then just throw are well-intentioned recycling into their landfill. So I say that not to be a Debbie Downer because it really does like suck. But (laughs) to say, yeah, we think we're doing well and good just by throwing our our plastic or, you know, buying plastic because, hey, it's recyclable and then putting it in the bin. But really, we don't know what happens. So what do we do is your question. And I think and this is where I'm really intrigued and where I've been researching is that, you know, we all know that little symbol with the three chasing arrows for recycling and earth day and all that good stuff. Mm -hmm. Um, We only remember the third arrow, which is recycle. The first two are re is it reduce and reuse? Is that the order? Reduce, reuse, recycle. That's what it is. And we all focus on the recycling because we think I don't need to change my practices. I can buy and consume just as many goods as I was before because, hey, my municipality will recycle it and I don't have to change my actual behavior. When really recycling should be our last resort. Mm -hmm. We should 
reduce and reuse. And that's what I have been reflecting on um, a lot. There's this World War II slogan back whenever um, the government was pushing bonds and rubber drives and victory gardens um, that apparently we had a lot around, you know, I don't know, signs and billboards and flyers. And it was uh, use it up, wear it out, make it do or do without. And that was that was a little slogan that was going around in the 1940s here in the United States. And it was this idea of encouraging people that it is patriotic to, you know, just not buy little Jimmy a new coat instead, you know, patch all those holes again and again and again, even if it's a little too small, just make it do or just, and just go without until the war is over. Yeah. And so, you know, this was the generation who also lived through the great depression. And so, you know, it really makes sense why, I mean, my grandparents were like this, they did not get rid of anything. They were, uh, borderline hoarders, which, you know, so it can be taken to an extreme. Yeah, yeah. But we have forgotten what it means to live in a world where you just might not have everything. I think the closest we came was at the beginning of the pandemic. Yeah. You know, when there was that toilet paper <laughs> scare and suddenly you started realizing, oh, so this is maybe a tiny sliver of what that felt like, you know, like, I don't know if I can get eggs or sugar. Um and so there's just something about our mindset now that we we can't fathom just going out and buying more. And I think that's that's become part of the problem with this idea of zero waste. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, and I guess back then in the war, it was, you know, reduce or live without so that we can, you know, spin up the machine to mm-hmm. generate, to make bombs and bullets and tanks and right. you know, plastic, plastic. <laughs> plastic shields for the bombers and whatever the thing is. Um, and I... I, I get that the the problem I think with the modern society is that we have spooled up an economy that's so large that we are dependent on production, 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 produce, 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 yeah. um, and in fact we're so dependent on that that right the, the the Federal Reserve pumps out money it produces more money to allow us to consume more goods uh, so that the factories can keep churning. Um, to to create more jobs. This is it's modern economics. It is my degree. Um, I don't use it that much anymore, though, which is a beautiful, beautiful <laughs> thing. Um, but so so here's here's like sort of a, a corollary to that is you know if we reduce consumption, if we um, sort of draw down and don't buy as much stuff, um, then what happens to the modern economy? Right. Yeah, that that's kind of the damned if you do, damned if you don't, right? And um, and especially, you know, take it a step further. Sometimes people feel justified in saying, "Well, I want to buy, for example, like this fast fashion T-shirt because that woman who sewed it for me in the factory, this is providing a real job, yeah. Even if it's like, you know, an, an appalling wage and in terrible conditions. So, you know, I by not buying it, aren't we making it worse? And I get that, but I will say that we have we have had this conundrum in our world before. People said the same thing about slavery in the 19th yep. century. You yep. know, you know, I care about the plight of Black Americans, but you know, if I free if I don't have slaves, it's going to be even worse. And and um, what will they be able to do? So you know, 
oh, well. And there has to be a point, I think, when we say, but what can I do with what I've been given? And, And that's not to say just do the bare minimum, but that is to say if you're not a senator and if you're not a lobbyist or a highfalutin lawmaker, perhaps you can't change the law today, but there are a lot of small things you can do that add up. Now it can start feeling a little fruitless if it's just, you know, thing after thing and you don't see much fruit. And so I'm not at all implying be perfect or, you know, if you accidentally forget your bag at the grocery store, your reusable bags, then just turn around and go home and don't even bother buying, you know, the thing you need. Um, But I am thinking of the little bitty things that we can do that are basically voting with our dollars is what it comes down to. Yeah. Um, And so, you know, there's lots of ways to slice this, but I think it comes down a lot to being more local yeah. Um. And supporting our local makers, which is economy, you know, yep. and and that tends to have a lower carbon footprint because it was made down the street, perhaps Um. there's a little bit higher chance that you can find things that are made with less plastic because you can talk with the maker about it. You can find out, you know, like I'm just thinking of like a farmer's market yeah, situation, yeah, yeah. Um. you know, you can bring your bag and hey, I want that that pint of strawberries, but you can just put it in your bag and give her the the plastic basket back and, you know, have her reuse it for the next person. Um, just small little things like that. And I think um, a quote that comes to mind is from an essay by Wendell Berry, who has written a lot about this idea, the sacramentality of the land and of yeah. the, of agriculture, you know, yeah. yep. um, so it's the agrarian essays. I don't know if you've ever read them. Mm-hmm. Oh, and, yes. Mm-hmm. And, and so there's this one where he talks about the unsettling of America in culture and agriculture. And he says, and I think this is a little bit what you were saying at the top of the conversation about how this isn't, it has to be so much more about community. You know, taking care of the earth has to be about loving our neighbors and not just this vague idea. And he says, no settled family or community has ever called its home place an environment mm. or uh, n- none has ever called its feeling for its home place biocentric or anthropocentric. None has ever thought of its connection to its home place as ecological uh, or, or, you know, ecology and ecosystems. And then I'll skip ahead. And he says, these terms are culturally sterile. They come from the juiceless, abstract intellectuality of the universities, which was invented to disconnect, displace and disembody the mind. The real names of the environment are the names of rivers and river valleys, creeks, mm-hmm. ridges and mountains, towns and cities, lakes, woodlands, lane roads, creatures and people. Mm-hmm. And I think to me, that's what it has to come down to when it comes to this pursuit of reducing and reusing and using recycling as a last result is what does it mean in your immediate environment? And yeah, that might mean buying a little less on Amazon. And, and you know, I'm not saying this in a high and mighty way. I'm talking to myself here too. It it means perhaps spending a few more dollars for that maker at the farmer's market or down the street or at that one small shop Um even if it means having a little bit less, you know what I mean? Yeah. 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 And I think there's a real tension. I think there is a real tension there. You know, there's, there's uh, a point at which, I mean, we talked about this, um, you know, I I have four kids, um, 
you know, I have a wife and four kids in a house in the middle of America and I have a job and there are things that I have to do. And so there's, there's gotta be a, a practicality that comes into play. Um, right. There are times that I just need to drop by the store and buy something. And that something is going to have plastic in it. I mean, th- there yeah. is a, a point um, at which you, you, you can't make every right decision back to your, the good place analogy. Like we all start at like negative a thousand, you know, and, <laughs> and it just keeps going backwards. Mm-hmm. Um, but, but by the same token, I think, you know, holding that tension, but also looking at what are the decisions that you can make to reduce waste is, is really important. And I'm terrible at it. Hmm. I mean, I, I say that I'm terrible at it in some ways, in some ways I'm super, super cognizant of it. You know, I've had the same two sweaters for almost five years now. I mean, that's, mm-hmm. you know, I have very few shirts. Maybe I'm one of those wardrobe minimal, minimalist bros, <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. outside of my workout clothes. I, I just, I, I live very minimally and I'm very cognizant of that. And that's a very intentional and choiceful effort um, to do something good for the environment. But then, you know, the minute I want a new camera or the minute I want a new, you know, I don't know, I run out of guitar picks because who know where they went? Who knows where they went? I buy another pack of 35 nylon guitar picks, you know? So mm-hmm. I think there are a lot of ways in which I am not super choiceful. And then there are a lot of ways that I am. Um, and I think recognizing that it's the ways that we are unthinking that af- affects um, the first sacrament, the sacrament of creation, the earth. Um, I think that's where we start. Where are the places where I'm just not that aware and move into those spaces? Yeah. Yeah. I think there's a sacramental beauty to, to living more aware of the things you're using, you're throwing away, you're tossing in the compost bin. Um, not to judge yourself, not to feel shame, but just to be aware. I mean, if if the average listener is anything like me, some of the problem is simply dadgum losing the thing again in the yeah. house. You know, yeah. right. I think of your guitar pick or, you know, yeah. it's like, I know I have the thing. Where is it again? My sunglasses for the 18th time. Mm-hmm. Um so it's all, you know, well-intentioned. I don't think we're purposely, you know, going out and spraying smog out into the environment just, you know, for fun. Um, but it's just being more mindful, being aware, perhaps just making some small shift in your daily life so that that kind of thing happens a little less. I mean, yeah. and it sounds almost... um it sounds almost trite, you know, yeah. like, okay, so pick a home for my sunglasses and that'll save the earth. Well, maybe not exactly, but it will definitely bring more peace and less stress to your life. And you won't have to spend another 20 bucks on sunglasses from Target again this year, yeah. you know, and it's, and it's one small thing. And, and perhaps that's what we're really getting at here. Yeah. You know? Yeah. I think that's right. And one thing that's, um, important and your sunglasses from target is actually a really good example. Five years ago, um, I decided to look for the things that I didn't want to replace. Right. So I didn't want to go through as many pens as I was going through. Um, I didn't want to have to keep replacing, you know, ponchos or rain jackets. Um, I didn't want to have to keep replacing sunglasses. So I decided I am going to buy one really nice fountain pen. Mm-hmm. I am going to buy one really nice rain jacket. This sounds like a super shishi privileged middle class thing to do, but it is what I did. I'm yeah. going to buy 
or obtain for Christmas a nice pair of sunglasses, you know? Mm -hmm. And because I have these things now that are a little bit nicer, I mean, certainly not, you know, crazy, but because I have these things that are a little bit nicer, I keep up with them more. I pay more attention to where they are. I don't lose them. I don't misplace them because it wasn't just a $5 pair of sunglasses that I'll, you know, kind of regret and just go buy another piece of plastic. Like they're actually nice sunglasses or it's actually a nice rain jacket. Um, And that's one thing that I found that actually holds me accountable on the fashion front to just say, I'm going to have one nice pair of shoes. I'm going to have one or two nice pairs of jeans. I'm going to have one nice rain jacket, two good Mm -hmm. sweaters. um, And then just wear them till they cannot be worn anymore. Um, Yeah. Yeah. And you don't lose them. You won't lose them because you'll feel like crap if you do. Right. Right. And I would say not only is it something about spending more on fewer items that keeps that that makes us want to keep up with it. I think it's also flat out having fewer things yeah. that makes it easier to keep up with. Um, you know, so if you're listening and you're thinking, well, I would love a fountain pen, but I can afford a Bic. Well, consider perhaps you know, only having a few of that thing and decluttering all the pens that no longer work. And I, I know that sounds silly, but I, I think to our our family's trip around the world, whenever we all lived out of backpacks, I made this little just, I decided to just uh, scientifically experiment with this one pen. It was a cheap, I mean, I think it was a pen I literally got at the airport, you know, mm. clicky ballpoint pen. Um, how long can I keep this? And I kept this one pinned the entire trip. Oh, and wow. you ask me at home how often I lose pins, but like of that nature, it was probably, you know, what, a couple times a month. Yeah. Um, and because it was no big deal because you've got 27 more laying around the house. And it was weird. I kept up with this one pin across 30 countries. And it's because if I lost it, I would have to seek out another pin. And yeah. <laughs> so I made an effort to keep track of this cheap pin. Um, so perhaps that's a, a thing too, you know, not only does it need to be nice, it just needs to be the one you have that will keep you from just thinking, oh, well, I'll just get another one. I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. And look, I'm in an office right now and I'll little sound <laughs> effects for the listeners. Right. Um, right. there are no less than, I don't know, three, six, nine, 12, 15, eight, 23, 24 pins in this one cup. Um, in an office of eight, 23 mm. pens, like it's just, it's unnecessary. And, and, mm-hmm. um, the reason that we have so many pens is because they do, they get lost. We just don't think about it. I lose them, misplace them or whatever. Um, and I think that's a good point. So the question is, do you still have that pen? <laughs> I do actually, but I of course have many more. <laughs> so. I'm going to, yeah, but you need to, you need to take a photo of it and drop uh-huh. it in the show notes or on Instagram okay, or something and show us what the pin looks like. <laughs> I will. That's All a right. funny idea. Yeah. All right. That's good. For sure. Well, and so I think, you know, this, this is probably where people are saying, okay, I agree with you. I want to waste less. So what now then? Right. Um, and we all know the Earth Day things of, you know, recycling <laughs> or, uh, I don't know, just avoiding, you know, bringing the bags to the grocery store. I think that's yeah, a common one. Right. So, But what else? And I think some of it comes down to, well, not some of it. It really does come down to those three things in order. And that first one, reduce. Consider a lot of the free things that you do get, like the trinkets from conferences, the free pens at the hotel, the, the whatever, you know, consider whether you actually need it and whether it would make your life that much better if you just brought it 
or, yeah. you know, snatched it because it's free or just the things being handed out, the, the well-meaning samples at stores or, you know, farmer's markets or whatever. Um, you don't need another koozie or any yeah, koozie right. at all. <laughs> right. Um, so consider that. And then I, I don't know, I can just think of a lot of small practical things. And that's where my focus is, um, especially because some of this has become pretty second nature to me by, you know, 12, 13 years of caring about this. Um, but I still am just one person in one small house. Um, I'm going to be exploring a lot more of these practical things in the coming months this year in my sub stack. So there's a shameless plug. If you want to get into the practicals, I'm, I'm weirdly eager to rewrite and re-explore about this kind of stuff now. But um, I don't know, Seth, do you have like, I know you keep saying you're bad at this, but is there like one thing you do that you could say, this is a good practice for when it comes to, you know, maybe just being lower waste in my daily life? Yeah. I mean, for me, it's only clothing. That's the only area in my life that I'm good at it. And And like I said, I mean, the things that I do is I you know, I've had this same sweater now for five years and I'll probably have it another year. It's not threadbare in the, in the, um, elbows yet. <laughs> so, yeah. So no, I think for me, it's just literally managing the number of, of clothes I have and we have a really small closets, so that really helps. But I mean, mm-hmm. that's probably the area that I, you know, have learned the most about, but I'll be interested to read along with you because I really, I don't, I don't know. I I actually don't know that I believe it can be done. So I will be interested to read your Substack to see if you're actually able to do it in a way that's meaningful. And that's not, you know, when I read the, again, this going back to the minimalist bros, when I read these blogs or watch these YouTube videos um, or listen to their podcasts, I always feel like there's something hidden, something that's just a little bit like, Really? Is it, Mm -hmm. there's one that's not that way um, that I really like to listen to. I don't really feel like he's misleading me, but the rest of them, Mm -hmm. I'm always kind of like, really? Is it really, it just doesn't feel, I don't know. And sometimes it feels a little bit psychologically unstable also. I'm just going to go out and say that. Uh Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Um, it does. I was going to say, it can actually add more stress to your life. <laughs> That's totally, not necessary. Totally. Yeah. <laughs> Completely anxious. So I'll be interested to read along on your Substack and see, one, like, have you found authentic ways to do this that don't add stress to your life? And two, what are the tips that we can glean from it? Yeah. Yeah. That's what I'm excited about. And I think ultimately it comes down to releasing the idea of zero waste as a goal because I don't think it's possible. We don't live, we live in a, in a linear economy, not a circular one for the, yeah. by and large. Yeah. Um, so what are the small little circles we can add yep. um, to make it lower waste, you know, to where we feel like we are living more in tandem with the divine because God is a God of creativity and rhythms and cycles and renewal. Yeah. And we get to participate in that, you know, yeah. kind of to bring it back to um, St. Barry here. Um, one of his, one of another quote of his that I like is just simply, it says the care of the earth is our most ancient and most worthy. And after all, our most pleasing responsibility yes. to cherish what remains of it and to foster its renewal is our only legitimate hope. So <laughs> um, good. It's so good. It's so, so good. good. And so, yeah, don't despair if you're listening to this or don't, you know, no shame for those plastic bags sitting next to your washing machine. Cause I've got them too, you know? Word. Yeah. 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 All right. So Tish, 
Um, With that as the closing word, I think that's a great closing word. Tell me, what are you listening to, watching, uh, or reading that is making your life a little bit more good, true, or beautiful? Okay. Well, I am still reading Rest, the book that we talked about last week. So that is my nonfiction read. But I picked up fiction. Well, I say I picked it up. I assigned it to juniors and seniors in high school. So I'm reading it with them. (laughs) Um, Have you ever read Silence by Shusaku? Uh, Yes. Are you kidding me? Oh, my gosh. Are you kidding me? Uh So it's brilliantly, excruciatingly beautiful. It really is. So it's a book I'm reading slowly because I love it so much. I love these characters. I love, I love the messiness of it. That mm-hmm. there is not this clear like this is what Jesus would do. Ending um, the questions that it raises. I mean, just the little bit we discussed in my high school class was so well done. Uh, or I say so well done. These kids wrestled with such timeless questions of like. If you, if someone asks you, are you a Christian? And you say, no, are you a Christian? Um, just yeah. point blank. It, 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 I don't know. It's just so great. And I love going somewhere sometimes in, in novels that I just would never in a million years go. And I would never go to 16th century um, Japan, you know, with, with the Jesuits. warlords and yeah, and the Jesuits and shoguns and, and that whole thing. And so it just, it's escapist, but not, I don't know. It's just so well-written. He is a it master, is. Shusaku Endo. So it is. Yeah. It's beautiful. That's a beautiful book. And I have not watched the film. Have you watched the film? <gasps> I have watched the film and I wished yeah. I'd read the book first, but um, the film is brilliant. It's so good. Yeah. Yeah. I was going to watch that um, about six months ago. Amber and I were going to watch it. And then we got sidetracked by something and I can't remember what it was. And it may have been the expanse. Sorry. 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 Sorry, Martin. Yeah. Well, it'll be there. It's there. It's It's not, it's it's not going anywhere. That's what they say. It's not going anywhere. That's right. Okay. So what about you? What are you reading, watching or listening to that's adding more uh, truth, but your goodness to your life? Do you know the name Wheezy Waiter? Yeah. I love his channel. It's so great. Yes. It's so great. Yeah. Wheezy Waiter yes. is so good. So good. I'm glad your your um explosion of emotion there was exactly the thing yeah. I've been waiting for for 10 episodes or however long we've That's been, doing this, been doing this. Um He's yeah. So good. I love Wheezy Waiter. We've watched mm-hmm. Wheezy Waiter for I don't know a really long time as a fan. Really? I just oh, found yeah. him like oh. a month ago. Okay. He's phenomenal. He's phenomenal. Yeah. And if you go back and, and really listen to his old stuff or watch his old stuff before he knew what he was doing, uh-huh. it's phenomenal. So like uh-huh. I watched him all the way through his proposal to China. Like, mm. like we've been watching him forever. I, wow. I, it's really it's disheartening how long I've been watching this guy. <laughs> but in any event, so what made me think of him, so I, we, I've cashed out two or three of his I lost track in some of the pandemic. And so I cashed out two or three of his most recent videos because he just dropped one, I think last week um, about complimenting other people, Mm. which in and of itself is very beautiful. But today um, I was reminded when you said, let's talk about zero waste. I was reminded that he had a video on zero waste that is hysterical from about maybe a year ago, maybe Maybe it was a year, maybe a year uh-huh. and change, but um, I'll send you a link to it for the show notes. But it's, oh my gosh. it's truly, he's truly amazing. 
he is so like I don't know what it is about him because he's such a regular guy. Maybe the, it's because he's such a regular guy. He is so funny. I love his editing style. I mean, I like uh, my kids love him, and, and he yeah. I, I feel like where have I been on the internet the past few years because I just found him, and he's just yeah. He's hilarious. He's a bright spot on the YouTube because um, he's just so self deprecating yet yet I don't know po- like weirdly heartwarming like he's not he's not obnoxious but he doesn't think too highly of himself or too I don't know like he's not an influencer at all and yet he he has a huge following and I think for good reason you know yeah and the thing about Wheezy Waiter is that he gives me hope for my kids you know because not every kid is going to have the same path or trajectory in life and I look at that guy and I'm like he would never make it in corporate America. I don't know that he would ever make it on a comedy show, but he's carved out this niche that is just so authentic and so him. And I hope he keeps Mm -hmm. doing it. And also the other thing that I love about him is if you go back, there was a season where he was doing something crazy, like a video a day or something. And he just straight up came to the camera and said, I'm burned out. I don't want to do this anymore. I've Mm got to make some changes here. If I'm going to, make this sustainable for my lifestyle. And so he started doing these longer form, big question type videos um, that were sort of a break from what he had traditionally done. And I think that was maybe about two years ago. So mm-hmm. it's just really fascinating to watch his progression as a human. Uh, and That's a cool. That's really cool. I There's something that like one of my favorite things is watching people do their thing really well. Like, the the sacramental beauty of watching someone like who truly is doing what they're meant to do and just does it well. Um, and he's an, a, an example of that to me. And I, I know that sounds so silly because we're not talking like Oscar winning actor or, or, you know, Michelangelo, we're talking about a YouTuber, but yeah. he just seems to have done, found exactly what he's meant to do and what he's really good at and just leans into that. And I just, I love what, I mean, to me, that's just a delight watching people do that really well. He is delightful. And so if anyone out there knows Craig Benzine, a.k.a. Wheezy Waiter. (laughs) See, I even know his first name. That's because I'm that nerdy. Um, Then tell him where we want to talk to him. Yeah, there you go. That's good. <laughs> All right. We will put a link to his video and channel in the uh, in the show notes of this episode so you can um, nerd out with us too. And I um, guess it's time to wrap it up. So... You can find this episode as well as all episodes at a drink with a friend.com. And it's where you can sign up for our sub stack where we, we will get some stuff out to you. My book is done now, so I have more time. Um, and it's where you can also support the show for just a few bucks. If you like what we're bringing to your earbuds, we are almost hundred percent listener supported. And so if you want to be one of those supporters, you can go to a drink with a friend.com. You can find me and all my work at tishoxenwriter.com. Seth, where can people find you? They can find me at sethhaines.com. And I'm going to make a shameless plug. Good. And ask people to come follow me on Instagram. Perfect. At Seth Haynes. Because I'm starting to talk about things that are pretty much on my heart. And I'm going to try to do a lot of it through photography, which is my main artistic medium outside of writing. 
Um, and so come on by. You are a legitimately good photographer. And so if you like Instagram more for the art than for the influence, <laughs> uh, Seth is a good follow. I agree oh, with thanks. you. Thanks. Thanks. Yeah. And I, I, I don't count myself as any sort of influencer at exactly. all. So. And, and that's, there a, you go. that's a good thing. That's, that's one of your great qualities. Uh, music for the show is by Kevin McLeod. Editing is by Kyle Oxenreiter. Caroline Tissell is our transcriber and assistant extraordinaire. I'm Tish Oxenreiter. And Seth and I will be back here with you soon. Thanks for listening. Thank you.